Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. This fantastic evening, my dear loyal listeners, welcome to another episode of the Inside Actors Radio Show. Tonight's guest is actor superb Philip Hernandez. But before we get to Philip, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Tonight, tonight was a good night. You fought well, and for that we have these fortunes. Some say that money is the root of all evil, but I don't believe that. Evil is the root of all money, and you, my big friend, you are evil. I'm Marshall Everett, and I don't always make money, but as a member of FedChoice Federal Credit Union, I always save money. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, federally insured NCUA. Membership open to federal employees and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. And if you'd like to advertise on the show, please contact me with your 30-second ad at we400@yahoo.com. So tonight's guest is Philip Hernandez. He is an actor known for TV shows like Person of Interest, Gotham, and Blue Bloods. He has performed on stages all over the world, on London's West End, on Broadway, and on TV. And he's a coach. You can book a one-hour Skype session with Philip by going to www.philiphernandez.net. So I see Philip's on the line. Let me bring him on in. Good evening. Hey, how are you? Fantastic, fantastic, Phil. Thanks for coming on the show. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, all right. So diving right in, do you think actors are born or made? (laughs) Um, uh, I think actors are made. Um, I think acting is uh, something that can be taught. Um, I'm absolutely sure acting is something that can be taught. Um, You know, there's no such thing as, as being born with something that you have to craft, you know. I mean, you can have an affinity for it. You can have certain skills that will lead you in that direction, but you have to work. So um, someone with a lot of natural talent, for instance, um, is uh, is fine, uh, but they get in a situation where they start to train and then their weaknesses are exposed. And if they don't have a talent for their talent and develop, their weaknesses, then they're going to get passed behind or, or passed uh, passed by by someone with uh, more drive and less talent because the skills can be learned. So um, I certainly think that uh, it's uh, made and not born. Hmm. 
Now, are you a uh, subscriber to the ten thousand hour rule as it uh, as it uh, pertains to yeah, ten thousand yeah. hours? Yeah, developing your craft for mastery. Yeah, to achieve mastery in anything, you have to have like ten thousand hours. And I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, you have to you have to put in the time. It's uh, it takes uh, dedication, it takes um, uh, drive. <laughs> Uh, and it takes ambition. You know, you have to really want to, you know, uh, exceed your own expectations. You know, um, and then you'll exceed the expectations of others. But yeah, you yeah, you need to put put in a lot of time. I don't know if it's ten thousand or if it's nine thousand or if it's twenty thousand. You know, it's probably different for everybody. But uh, yeah, it takes a lot. Yeah, Philip. So, so I'm gonna go back in time a little bit. Back now, man, you seem to be like a real. Uh renaissance man i know you sing and you do all kinds of things so why did you choose acting well i i kind of chose them all um but, uh, <laughs> when when i started um uh, i i guess i guess when i was a kid um i had uh, an affinity for singing and i sang in the choir in school and uh I got into a magical group uh, when I was when I was in high school, and then uh, I would sing uh, uh, some some doo-wop, and uh, you know, so it was just kind of like um, I enjoyed singing, and then uh, I wanted to develop my voice, and I was singing classical music. So then I started studying with a with an opera teacher. Uh, she was a performer with the Metropolitan Opera in New York. So I would take the train into the city, and uh, and I would, uh, you know, and I would take a voice lesson every Thursday afternoon after school. I would hop in the car uh, with my uncle, actually, who was driving in because he worked uh, in uh, at the later shift, and he was driving in his little Volkswagen. Um, and uh, we would drive in to Brooklyn. He would drop me off. I would take the train into Manhattan, and I would uh, go and take a voice lesson there. And I did that till I went to college when I was like 17. And then I fell in love with acting, and I became an actor, and I didn't sing until after I got out of college. So um, hmm. it, it was kind of a, an interesting trajectory. And then when I got out of college... Of course, I wanted to pursue acting because that's what I had been doing, but then there was an audition for a musical, and I was like, well, I know how to sing. I may as well go. So I went and I got cast. <laughs> and so um, then I started to realize, wow, it would be really cool to put really great acting and really great singing together. And I love to do both, so I said, well, I guess that would make me either go into opera or musical theater. So I auditioned for an opera company, and I got cast in the Dallas Opera. I was just like a kid right out of college. So nice. I was like, yeah, it was like pretty amazing because it's a world-class opera house, you know. And so um, I did two shows there and decided that I absolutely hated it. And so um, <laughs> then um, uh, I decided I would, uh, you know, go to the musical theater and I would work there. And at the same time, I was doing plays and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff at the same time and doing commercials and things like that. And then um, I decided to move to New York uh, after after that. Uh, I was in Dallas. I don't know if I, I had said that, but uh, I moved to Dallas after college, and then uh, that's where I got cast at the Dallas Opera. So, yeah. So yeah. So I, I, I kind nice. of went all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of a fun thing, but uh, acting, singing, um, it was all just kind of how it all happened. And then I put them together, and now I do them both intermittently. And music was always a big thing of mine too. So I was always, uh, you know, mm. singing different things and. You know, I've made an album. I'm working on a second album now. So, nice. yeah, I mean, I kind of make it all. <laughs> wow, great, great. So now I know you do these Skype sessions. So without giving too much away, 
I want, I want to, these next few questions, we're going to touch on the craft of acting, you know. So, like, how do you prepare I'll give it all the way. for <laughs> how do you? How I'm do happy you to give it all the way. Okay. All right, fine, because this is being recorded and people can go back and listen. So this is a great little Excellent. lesson, little mini class Excellent. here. So, like, preparing <laughs> actors for uh, for auditions. So mm-hmm. what's some of the techniques that you give actors to prepare for auditions? Well, it depends on what they're auditioning for. I mean, if they're auditioning for a musical or if they're auditioning for uh, a play. Let's say TV. Or a play. Oh, okay, for TV. Well, in uh, TV, they would have uh, sides that they would be given them, which is, you know, a piece of the script that, you know, that their character, you know, appears in. So um, they would have sides. They would be given sides. A lot of times you get the sides, you know, very, very uh, soon before you have to audition, like the night before maybe the day before the night before, you know, <laughs> but it's pretty quick turnaround. And um, so uh, people call me and, and, you know, I'm kind of like a doctor on call because, like, oh, my God, Phil, I have an audition. And I'm like, all right, well, let, let me see what I can do. If I'm in the city and I'm teaching ready, I'll be like, okay, maybe get this studio and, you know, we'll work from this time to this time. Or if I'm not in the studio, then I'll be like, okay, um, I'm available when I get back home. We can do Skype. And, you know, so it, it, sometimes it's really crazy. But, um, you know, they call me, and uh, and so basically we'll work either in person or on Skype. And uh, we'll basically figure out what it is that the scene is all about right, why they're in the scene, what their purpose is, what it is that they want, and how they go about getting it. Um, and we'll throw a bunch of ideas out. We'll try to say, you know, well, why is this scene in the play or, or in the script or in the movie? You know, why is this, uh, you know, in the, in the episode? You know, why is this scene? What function does it serve? And then what's their place in it? And so we just try to, um, you know, find as much themselves in it as we possibly can. I guess the best way I can explain it to you is kind of like you look at the script and you say, this is happening to me right now. And you say, okay, it really is happening to me right now. So if I were there and it was happening, what would I do? How would I feel? How would I react to everything that's said to me? You know, and you have to figure out where am I? You know, where does the scene take place? Is it what's my relationship with the person who I'm talking to, you know, what's the history of that? And what is at stake in this confrontation? You know, like what, what do I want to achieve and what happens if I don't get it? You know, and the higher we can make the stakes, the more real it becomes. And then the more of the person can come through, which is really great because then you're not acting, you're just responding to the circumstances. And if you totally empathize with, you know, the, with what's on the page, like the person who's involved, the character's name, you know, if you, involve, you know, understand what it is that they need and you can find a parallel so that you can actually believe that, yeah, I understand that. I know what that is. That's like when, you know, that girl did that to me or that guy did that to me or, or, or when I, you know, reached this point in my life and you totally understand it. If you can find a way to empathize, you can play that scene like gangbusters and you just have to play your truth. And if you do that, you don't have to act. And then, you know, you're golden. So that's what I try to do. Get the person... Get as much of bring them as much of the person to the material as possible, because then the casting people will be like, "Oh wow, look at that! That's terrific. We love him because there's nobody else like him." And there you go. Yeah, yeah, you kind of stand out a little bit because you're bringing a little bit of you to the character. You're bringing all of you to the character. You know, you are the character. It's all you. It's all your real stuff. You know, you bring it to the table. <laughs> 
And you're telling these, your deepest secrets in public, but nobody knows what you're mm. really saying. Nobody knows what you're really saying. All they hear is the words that you're saying, and they see the person that's across from you. But that person mm. that's across from you might be, you know, you're someone, and you just pour your heart out to them. And if you do that, it's going to be so real, and you can, you know, be revealing everything about yourself, and no one really knows exactly what it is that you're saying. So it's a safe environment at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So now what's the key to rocking a casting director workshop? <laughs> um, being yourself and being prepared, two things. I mean, really, in, in a nutshell, that's it. Hmm. Because if you're not yourself, then they're going to see somebody who doesn't know who they are. So they don't know what to do with you. You know what I mean? If you show up and you know who you are, that's great. You know, then go, oh, okay, he'd be good for that, he'd be good for that, he'd be good for that. Or maybe he'd only be good for this, but that's still fine because they can definitely decide what they want to do with you. And if you're prepared, then they know you. when you show up on the set, you're going to be good. They can depend upon you. You're professional. So we know exactly who that guy is because he knows who he is, and he's going to be prepared and he's going to be professional. So those are the two things. If you walk in and you do that, you're going to rock that audition, any audition. Right, exactly, exactly. So now this is something that comes up sometimes. Sometimes you have a script that's, let's say, it's not uh, necessarily written by Shakespeare, you know. There's a script that's questionable. <laughs> so how do, you, how, do you make the most of a, how do you make the most of a bad script or a script that you just can't connect with emotionally? Well, that you, well, there's no such thing as a script you can't connect with emotionally. I mean, you have to find a way. It's your job. So uh-huh. you have to find a way. Um, and, and that's the key to making uh, material that's not so great, great, because you have the power to make the choices that um, mm. make that material. You have the power to yeah. choose what it is that you do with the material. So you can elevate the material by the strength and the, uh, and the, and the uniqueness of your choices. Um, because they can forget about the bad material if they're captivated by the performance that give the story that you choose to tell with that material. So yeah. that's how you make a bad script better. Hmm. Yeah, and what what do you think causes does not to make a strong choice? Why is that such a I mean, if I, I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that, that phrase, make a strong choice. What is it? Is there some emotional block that stops actors from making choices? Yeah, I mean, it's like, like everybody. It's, it's fear. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it's fear, you know. You, you, you're, you're afraid to go out on a limb, or, or you're afraid because you don't quite know, to know what to do when you're a younger actor. You don't really kind of know what to do. You don't – you haven't explored the – avenues enough times to be really sure of what the road is that you take to making a strong choice. So you, you know, you hesitate, you hold back a little bit because you're afraid to look stupid. But if you, you know, I mean, you know, when you get to be my age, it's kind of like, you know, well, I've been stupid so often, it doesn't really matter anymore. You know, I'm not afraid of looking stupid. (laughs) You know, so you just go, you just do it. You know, you just make the most ridiculous, outrageous choice that that you possibly can, you know, and you see if it works because everything is a possibility until you try it out. If you don't try it out, then you're limiting yourself and you're limiting the material and you're limiting the character. 
But how do you know it's not going to work unless you try it? You might find something brilliant, you know, just by mistake, just by trying something out. So, yeah, I guess I, I guess that's about it. Hmm. Now, we're generally, I guess we've been talking more along the lines of TV and film auditions, but do you think that, that uh, see, because I'm thinking that, like, in TV and film, Maybe, let's say it's a big action film, maybe they're just looking for a particular kind of role and they're kind of like trying to pigeonhole you into that role. But, like, if you did a if you did a great choice that was, like, outlandish, it may be funny and outlandish, and maybe that would, maybe that would uh, carry over better well on, uh, like, a stage audition. Do you find that maybe some of your TV auditions and film auditions are more, the 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 people behind the desk are a little bit more, let's say, conservative. I don't think they're more conservative. I mean, think of think of any great uh, you know movie that you remember. I mean, I I I think that the that you'll you'll find that that the the size of the of the screen can hold any kind of size performance. It could be totally outrageous. It could be totally really over the top almost, but the screen can handle it. Um, mm. If it's, if it's, um, if it's real, you know, if the choice is, 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 uh, if it comes from you, if it's really, you know, true, it can handle size. And some of the greatest performances have been really big, you know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. characters are, you know, are big, you know, so, I don't think that they're more conservative. You do have to be mindful of the size of the frame that you're working in, but within the size of that frame, you can be as large as you want. The, the size of the idea, the size of the feeling, the size of you know the connection, the size of the need, all of those things can be enormous. I mean, think of the times in your life when something was really overpowering was happening, how enormous that was inside you know, and it might not have read to the rest of the world, but if you were watching closely, if you had a camera in front of you as it was actually happening and they were in a close-up, we would see very, very vividly what you were going through, you know. Yeah. But it's just because it's right up in your face. So you can mm. be small in terms of your size of physical movements, of your gestures and all of that facial expressions, you know, all your movements can be small, but you have to understand how to make that communicate in a big way for the size of the, of, of the frame that you're working in on camera. So that's the difference there. And in the theater, you have to project many, many feet, you know, uh, you know, like maybe 20 feet out to the first row sometimes, you know. So it's, you know, you have to, it's like you're talking um, and you're aware that there's somebody else who has to receive what it is that you're saying. So you have yeah. to be of a certain size. Um, when I used to tour, for instance, um, uh, I would go to the center of the stage, like right before sound check began, and get a, get a couple minutes early, and I would stand center stage, dead center, and I would right. open my arms wide to encompass the size of the auditorium, you know, the width of the auditorium. So if I had my arms maybe two feet out, right, that would be like a, you know, uh, maybe a 1,500-seat, house you know it's not not that right. wide you know but if i opened my arms really wide and i can still hold all of the seats left and right in front of me in my arms if i had to open my arms really wide i knew that's the, how big 
I would get with I could get with my right. gestures. I could be that expansive. And if it was a smaller house, it would be somewhat smaller. Now for the camera you just bring it down even a little bit further, but it doesn't diminish the size of the need that you have. It just diminishes the way that you express it physically. Hmm. That segues into my next question is, uh, what should actors do with their hands? What's your opinion on that? <laughs> um, that's a silly question. It, 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 it's almost <laughs> like, um, you know, um, you know, like, uh, you know, how do you learn all those lines? That's the first thing people say when they come, you know, backstage to a show. How did you learn all those lines? Like that was the most <laughs> difficult thing, you know. Um, it's like, well, you know, what do you do with your hands? I mean, if you're worried about what you're doing with your hands, then you're not really focused on what you're supposed to be doing. Um, the very first acting class that, that I ever took, in uh, it was in college, and the professor said, um, okay, I want half the class to just go up on the stage. He said, oh, this row over, go. So they went up on the stage. And he said, okay, I just want you to, you know, just, just stand there. And, you know, we'll tell you when we want you to, you know, come back. And so everybody just stood on the stage. And they were awkward and they were uncomfortable and they were like, you know, it was like, what the heck am I doing? They were fidgety. They didn't know what to do, you know. So he said, okay, great, come on back. So um, then he said, okay, the next half of the class go up, you know, just um, – Great, just go up on stage. And then he said, all right, now what I want you to do is I want you to count all, all the lights in the room. It was a big auditorium, you know. So, um, oh, okay, so they all started counting the lights. They started moving around. They started pointing up at the ceiling and counting lights. They were involved in action, and they were fascinating. So they had something to do, and they were interesting. The people who didn't have anything to do didn't know what to do with their hands. So if you know what you're supposed to be doing, if you know what your goal is, if you know what you're focused on, and all of your energy is focused on getting what you want, you don't have to worry about what your hands are doing because your hands will just do whatever they're supposed to do, like, like in real life. I'm not thinking about what to do with my hands now, but my hands are open right now. You know, I'm sitting in a chair and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm waving my hands around a little bit, but, you know, I'm not thinking about it. You just do with what your hands do <laughs> because you're involved yeah. in action. That's that's the main difference. So you're just not really focused on the right things if you're worried about that. You need to strengthen well, your objective. <laughs> exactly. Having that purpose. If mm-hmm. you're looking for something on the floor, look for something on the floor. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever if you're, you're doing. If you're looking for something in, in someone's moment. eyes, you look for something in someone's right. eyes. You're trying to get exactly. it. You're trying to get something. You're not worried about your hands. You're trying. To, you're worried about, oh, am I going to get what I want? There you go. There you go. All about objectives. Okay, so let's uh, talk about pressure. Now, you know, there's, there's different schools of thought on uh, pressure and nervousness and butterflies and all this kind of thing. Do you think it's better for actors to use pressure to perform, to use that energy, or to try to just push it down? Um, gosh, I don't know. Pressure, when you're feeling pressure... I think it's because um, you're not prepared. You haven't prepared well enough. If you're feeling pressure, like, am I going to be good enough? Um, You know, do I know what I'm doing? Um, You know, God, I fooled them again. Now what do I do? Um, (laughs) You know, if you're feeling like those things, the pressure, like, uh, then then I think it's a a function of your lack of preparation. Uh, Because if you're prepared... You'd be like, okay, great. I know what I need to do. 
Um, I know why I'm here. I know, you know, what what I'm all about and what I want. And, you know, I understand it. And I'll get myself ready. I'll get my body ready. I'll get my voice ready. I'll get my head in the game, you know. And I'll walk out and I'll see what happens, you know. But there's yeah. no pressure. Um, if there is, I, I, I honestly think that that's, um, you know, and, and, and sometimes you do have to perform when you are not, fully prepared, if you've had a small, a short rehearsal period, or if um, you're just thrust into, you know, something and you said, okay, I'll take the gig, it's a last-minute replacement, and you got to go, and you got to be good, well, there's pressure there. I understand that, because you're not prepared. You're, you're as, pre- as prepared as you could be. But when that happens, I push it down. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I don't have time for you, pressure. Get the hell out of here. You know, I, you know, I have to focus on what I need to do. So I push it, I push it out. I don't push it down. It doesn't stay with me. I push it out because I got too many things to do. You know, I got to have all my wits about me and I have to focus on what I need to do in order to do this gig well. And so if I allow myself to focus on anything other than that, I'm not going to be as effective as I can be. So I, so I guess I push it, I push it out, not down. Hmm. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. Okay, so what's the key to great voice acting? Well, damn if I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, I mean, honestly, I haven't done much voice acting uh, per se. I mean, I've I've done radio, radio commercials, um, things like that. uh, I always think when I step up in front of a microphone in any any way, um, whether it's you know uh, music, or whether it's you know on um, you know uh, you know for a, a, a radio spot or you know anything like that, it, it's always about intimacy for me. It's always about making a connection with someone, um, and I always think that's uh, that's pretty pretty fail safe. You know, if you're really wanting to make a connection with someone, uh, then it's uh, it's going to work because it's going to be intimate. You're talking to one person. You talk to one person, and if that person is meaningful for you, then you should be you should be on solid ground because we're all human animals. You know, so we all respond subjectively, emotionally to you know something that is is real, a real moment. You know, so if you just choose to create real moments, whether they're funny moments or, you know, or outrageous moments or just really intimate, simple moments, you know, if you really just connect to those, then you're always going to be in a good, uh, in a good place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how would you say is auditioning for musical theater different than the non-musicals? What's some of the challenges there? Well, you have to sing in musical theater, and that's challenging. Um, but um, other than that, they're pro- probably pretty the same. Um, I mean, you know, there's certain, um, you know, technical differences. I mean, you know, in a musical, uh, you know, you have to deal with an accompanist, you have to prepare your music so that the accompanist can play it. Um, 
So you have to, you know, prepare the music. You have to understand how to work a lyric. You have to deal with rhythm. You have to deal with melody. Uh, you know, you have to deal with all kinds of things you don't have to do with in a straight play audition. Um, a lot of the work is done for you in a musical, too. A lot of the the um, the uh, the emotional um, feel is taken up by the music. It's like I always say, like the the river of emotion that flows through you. What you're what you're feeling is in the music, and what you're thinking is in the words. So um, you know, like the um, the vowels are the um, emotion and the the consonants are the intellect. You know, and it dances upon that river of uh, whatever you're saying. In um, um, in music, in a musical, the music provides a lot of that ah uh, that you're saying because it's there. It provides the context. Uh, you have to bring that to the table in a straight uh, play audition. Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I mean, I think I am, but I don't know if you're if you're if you're with me or not. <laughs> Girl, I'm um, with you all the way, man. So I'm going to come up with a hypothetical here. Uh, I'm going to put you to the test here, Philip. So, okay, so it's a, let's say it's a weeknight, and you get an email from the producers of Gotham, and Mm. you get 10 pages. There's a 10-page script, and they want you to come in tomorrow. There's a guest star. He's only available one day, so it has to be tomorrow. You got to come on the set, be ready. So how would you prepare? How would you how would you approach a day like that? Well, I'd be thrilled first of all because that's going to be a nice paycheck. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then I would just start to work. I would I would get to work right away. I would say, okay, great. Let's you know let let's start you know tearing the script apart. You know who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And um, you know, uh, just start tearing it apart, and and you know, trying to trying to figure out what's there, and you know, um, and then uh, just start to start to memorize it, memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. Um, you know, and at the same time, I'm I'm trying to to feel my way through it to see exactly you know what it is that you know my function is, and what it is that I want, and then I encounter things in the script that tell me, oh my gosh, I got to feel. I, I, I don't know what, what, you know, what that guy does for a living. I have no idea. You know, he's a, he's a lumberjack. I've never been a lumberjack or he's a, he's a brain surgeon. Oh, I've never been a brain surgeon. You know, well, what, you know, how how do I get some context for this? So I kind of have to find, uh, either get my, my butt on the internet and start figuring stuff out, uh, about, you know, my, um, my occupation or my uh, socioeconomic background or my um, uh, my religion or my, you know, whatever's pertinent to the script. You know, I have to kind of start to fill in the blanks and make connections for myself. So, um, you know, I've got this certain amount of research you have to do. Um, and uh, then you just, you got to memorize this stuff. you got to find your way through it and, um, you know, do it as thoroughly and as quickly as you possibly can. Um, you know, because if you got ten pages to learn the night before, you know, it's going to be a lot of drilling that's going on. Um, yeah. And that would be a pressure situation. You know, that would be a pressure situation. Although I can't imagine any situation where you'd have ten pages on a on a <laughs> on a on a guest starring role on it. 
<laughs> on a television show. That'd be like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a little overkill. Well, who knows? Let me you know. get upgraded. <laughs> exactly. I better be starring <laughs> in that television show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but, you know, you would just have to, yeah, you just have to bust your butt. And, and, you know, and, and really, really learn it. Because there's certain technical things you have to figure out. Like, you know, i got to memorize all these damn lines, you know. So you got to figure that out. And then you got to give a believable performance. So you got to know who this character is and then how you can, you know, fit into that. And then, um, you know, once you figure that out, then you just, you know, cross your fingers that you can really nail it. But even if you can't nail it, it's film. You know, you do another take. You know, it's not that big a deal. You don't want to do a lot of takes because it's money, you know, uh, you want to be the guy that shows up and nails it. But, you know, it, they're going to be understanding if they called you the night before and then, you know, you busted your ass all night and you show up on the set and you're not letter perfect. Well, who cares? You know, they'll be okay with that. And they'll have to be, you know, because you man, do as much as you can do. Philip, Philip, man, I got to mm-hmm. ask you. So this is a, a kind yeah. of a, a couple of questions just popped in my head. One is like yeah. this whole thing about, I, it's my it's my my uh, opinion that it seems like the pros. It's almost like baseball. Like the difference between the pros and the semi pros. It seems like they can nail they can nail it on film and like one or two takes. I mean, personal experience and people I've worked with. It seems like the average cat. It seems like it takes them about. It seems like it's. It's it's best about the third or fourth take. What's been your experience on that? You mean personally? I'm like, am I a three or four take guy or a one or two take guy? Um, well, just either personally or just uh, or just stars you 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 people you've observed on set, like you know, set of blue drop ah, bloods or nurse Jackie yeah, yeah, yeah. or just in general, the pro level. Oh. No, I mean, I mean, it's, my observation is that, you know, the people who can do it in one or two takes are always going to be more desirable than the people who need three or four because time is money. You think about yeah. how much time is involved. So, yeah, I mean, all the people who I've worked with in terms of, um, you know, like Edie Falco and Tony Shalhoub and then, you know, I mean, uh, Dylan McDermott, I mean, all, all these people – um, you know, uh, anybody who's got a serious regular shot uh, role is is probably um, somebody who has the mindset that they're going to walk in and they are, there's no way they're not going to be prepared. They're going to do whatever it takes to be absolutely prepared. Deborah Messing was amazing. She was amazing uh-huh. to work with. She was running lines for three other scenes while she was, you know, getting, you know, uh, you know, touched up for makeup for the scene that I was in. She had... Two two other episodes that they were shooting at the same time. I was Amazing. like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Yeah, definitely amazing. Um, but, yeah, no, those people are on it. And if anybody is, you know, out there and they're, you know, contemplating a career in film and television, you have to be the one who nails it. You have to do whatever it takes. You have to psych yourself up. You have to put the time in, you know, you have to be disciplined, and you, you you can't screw up because you won't work. So it's, yeah. it's serious, serious business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So going back in time a little bit, so like, talk about how you got some of these some of these gigs. I mean, you have, uh, say, like a show like, uh, like an elementary or 
person of interest, things like that. I mean, the, the did, was there a lengthy uh, audition process where you were they were windowed down, or was it something that was uh, you know, something a little less arduous? Oh, it was definitely less arduous. I mean, you know, television's usually pretty fast. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, you they 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 you know I have an, an agent and a manager and and. Um, you know, the agent will call me with, you know, an audition appointment, and I'll be like, uh, yeah, okay, I'll go on that, and then um, I'll go. And I usually walk in, and, you know, we do the thing, and we say, okay, great, thank you very much, and you go home and you forget about it. And then they, they'll call you and they'll say, you know, we like last week I had a, uh, uh, an audition for um, uh, a show called Limitless, um, which is actually a really good show. And uh, uh-huh. I had an audition for, for that, and I went in, and I did a great job. And they called me and said, you're pinned, which means that they put a pin in you. Like, imagine you're, you, they take your headshot and they pin it up on the board because you're, like, one of the top three people that they, you know, you know that, that they're taking to the – they're taking the tape to the producer, you know, and the director. And that right. they're saying, okay, these are the people that we think you're pinned, and that's great. So if you get pinned, it means that you totally could do the gig. Now it's just a matter of personal – preference and whatever they need, you know, all, there's a million other factors that are totally beyond your control. So if you get pinned for a project, it means, oh, good deal. You did your job. You know, congratulations to everybody, the agent, the manager, the, you know, the actor. Terrific. You all did a, your, your job. Now move on to the next thing. If they call you back and say you got the gig, so much better. You did everything you could do. So that happened to me last week, um, which, is, nice. which is great. Nice. Um, but uh, what was the question I'm what was the question we were, we were talk, uh, you had, you had asked me? Yeah, so just saying that. Um, yeah, just typically, yeah, how you got to, yeah, how you get those those kinds oh, right, of right. Uh, roles, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you know, but but you just show up and you do the audition, yeah. and then you know yeah. you just kind of kind of wait and see what happens, and you know if nothing happens, okay, great, you move on to the next thing. Uh, but it, it it happens quick. Um, there's not usually a lengthy process. Um, you know, you might have a call back, but usually everything's done on tape, so there's really not a, not a lot of need for a call back. You know, occasionally it happens, but um, you know, not not that often. Yeah, yeah. And then another question I had was like this whole business about managing your energy on set. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of actors get on set, and it's like this hurry up and wait thing, and then it's like you rehearse yeah. something. And you get all this energy in the morning, and then you get the what they call the martini shot, the last shot of the day. Yep. They call you in, and it's like your energy has waned, and all this stuff. So I mean, like, how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, like, just like the hurry up and wait syndrome. How do you deal with that? Well, it's not like to have you in a in a little room somewhere, and you know, like you're in your dressing room, and, and you never know when you're going to shoot. You know, you can always. Get, there's usually somebody who's right there who's assigned to you to make sure that you get where you need to go when they need you, you know. So, um, you know, somebody who follows you around all the time and they ask if you need anything and, you know, you know, you know, what would you like for breakfast or, you know, you know, so it's, they take really good care of you on network TV. It's really great. But you can always ask, okay, so what's the deal with the shooting schedule? How far up? What's happening now? Well, there's one scene before yours, and um, you know, and then you know they have to reset the lights, and then we're going to break for lunch. So you're probably good for the next two hours. So you go, okay, cool, no problem, right? So then you you say you know how to budget your time. 
So you can do some other things. You can work on your computer. You know, if you really aren't not that well prepared yet, if you had ten pages to learn from the night before, you got great. I got two more hours. You know, <laughs> you just you know, so you can know how to budget your time. So yeah. if you're not scheduled until the after, you know, like the late afternoon, you know, like you're going to be doing the martini shot, then that's, you know, um, then you'll know, you know, probably you won't be called early in the morning. You'll probably be called like in the, in the early afternoon, you know, and you get into makeup and you do your stuff and then, you know, you, you shoot at five. So it's not, um, you know, that hard to manage your energy because you'll always know where you are in the process. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, Man, I'm wondering, what, in your opinion, has been your most challenging role? Um, I guess I'd say uh, Jean Valjean in my miss. That was hmm. a, a monster. That was a big, 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 big role. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's a big role because you essentially, um, well, you don't carry the show, really. Um, you're on quite a lot. Um, yeah. but that show is, is, it's very well written. It, it just runs itself. It's a, if, it, if everybody does their job, that show just kind of the momentum of it just carries through. So, um, yeah, so you don't carry the show, but you have a lot of responsibility and you have a lot of demanding, uh, physical things to do. Um, you've got, um, you know, an enormous singing range, uh, you go really, really high, and you go really, really low, and you're on stage quite a lot. And when you're not on stage, you're backstage changing costumes and changing makeup, and you go from you know youngish man to old man in the course of the show. Um, and it's a big emotional journey. I mean, you <laughs> in the first few minutes of the show, you go from being released to prison to having the bishop hand you these candlesticks and this amazing gesture of 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 love and and, and kindness and, and humanity when the rest of the world is treating you like you're an animal, and you and it just totally twist your brain around you can't fathom it and and you and you have to work through this whole process of oh my god you know i i need to change i need to be a better person and, and you know and you end up tearing up this ticket of leave at them on this high a that lasts forever and that's how you start the show so and then it goes up from there so it's um you know i'm sorry for those of you who don't know the show but it's it's a trip and um uh yeah it's uh it's a very emotional and physically and uh, uh physically demanding you're carrying to carrying people through the stewards um you know on your back you know singing through the through the rafters and uh it's like 3 hours long so it's it's a pretty demanding role i think that would have to be the, the biggest one yeah yeah what inspired you to start writing your blog when did i start yeah, yeah. What, well, I mean, what inspired you? Well, I always say that my website is to um, to encourage, inspire, and enable actors to work. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I just felt like I really wanted to start writing stuff 
so that people could have access to all the stuff that I learned along the way that would help them on their journey. Because, I mean, I, I, I yeah. charge for, for lessons, you know, because what I have to teach is, is valuable, and I can help people reach their goals faster. But that doesn't mean that I'm chintzy with the information. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, you know, you can read about it in a blog, but unless you really know how to apply it, um, you know, it's it's not going to be of much value to you. Now, some people will get great value of, from it, and that's great. That's why I do it. Uh, here, take it, and if you can learn something from it, fantastic. If it saves you time, it makes me happy. It's good karma. I put it out in the universe, and it comes back, you know. Um, I love to see people succeed. So whether they, you know, pay me to coach them and, and they reach their goals faster or if they just go to my blog and they read the stuff, I'm, I'm happy either way. But really it was because I wanted to inspire, encourage, and enable actors to act because I think it's important because I think the work we do is important. I think it, uh, it yeah. changes people, you know. It changes their lives. It makes them think about their, their own lives and their own feelings and their own conditions and, 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 you know, to try to, you know, reassess, you know, maybe what they feel about one thing or another. And, and that kind of changes things. And that change is, uh, it just carries through like ripples. So suddenly you're changing the entire world because you changed one person and it sounds kind of hokey, but I really believe it. So that's kind of why I started alone. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, uh, change, have you ever, uh, received any, like, I'm sure you've received some inspiring uh, you changed my life kind of letters or feedback about uh, something that you've yeah. written on your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anyone that stands out? No, not really. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, I love when people write me that they're, you know, that, that they're, that they're moved by, you know, by, by what they said, that it opened up things in them that they didn't really realize before um, or, or, or that they really aced this audition because they used some of the information that, um, you know, that, that I gave them in a blog or, I, I mean, you know, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of people write not lots of nice things um, and it's a range of things. Um, some people just say, you know, thank you for the encouragement you know, because I was going to give up and I didn't. And then I got this great job and I'm like, it's just beautiful, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, lot, lots of people have written, you know, stuff, but um, it's all great. I mean, not, you know, one particular thing stands out, but just, it's it's nice to be able to, to do what I love and then help other people do what they love too. It's um, It's a nice life, you know, it's a nice life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're coming near the end, so I'm going to play a, another little hypothetical here. So, like, just for a couple minutes, so we'll play along. So let's pretend like you and I are in, the, like, a Skype session. So I've, I've booked your, you for an hour to just coach me. And let's say this the scenario for this one, I think, would be cold reading. So it would be uh, cold reading for, let's say... Uh, it's a major motion picture shooting in the New York City area starring Matt Damon, and I have a, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making this up. Like a four-page scene with Matt Damon. Uh, I'm a, 
DEA agent, and we're like, I don't know, there's a scene by the Verrazano Bridge or something. I got a cold read tomorrow. So just like kind of briefly kind of like pretend like you're coaching me. What what's some of the things you would say? Some of the things I would say, uh, well, we would probably read through the script first of all. Nice and uh-huh. slow, nice and easy, just to see what's, what's there, what's actually being uh-huh. said, you know. And I'm actually very literal in terms of uh, script interpretation. If it says, uh-huh. you know, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, I bought plums at the store today, you know, then you look at the line and you say to yourself, well, okay, the line is I bought plums today. All right, great, cool. I bought plums today. I bought plums. I love plums. How do I feel about plums? I love plums. I bought plums today. Awesome. You know, I didn't expect plums to be in the store, but I, I bought them, you know, on a whim. I never buy plums. You know, see, see, all ideas are starting to come to me right now as we're talking, just because of how I feel about the words that are on the page. So you just kind of start to vamp on the lines. And then you kind of really see how you feel about what you're saying. And then once you understand how you feel about what you're saying, um, you know, then you're pretty much free to say it any way you want. Because every time we make a pass, you might feel a little bit differently about it. Or we'll change some circumstances, right? Maybe uh, we'll change, um, you know, uh, you know what the relationship with this person is. Like maybe the per- person we chose to think about, um, like if I'm having a scene with a, a woman and I make the woman my mom, it's going to be a different scene than if I choose my wife or if I choose, mm. um, you know, my daughter or if I choose, you know, it's all going to be different, you know? So we kind of, figure out what's going to make the best impact. Who do I choose? Who's the person I choose based on the circumstances in the script um, that is going to affect me in the most powerful way for me emotionally and also what works for the script, what's right for the script. You know, So then we'll just basically work our way through the script and find our connections to it. And then once we understand what those are, then we'll have a better idea of how to play the scene um, and, you know, and, 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 and then we'll just, you know, go from there. So the session will be a, a lot about trying to find what's in the script. And then we'll deal with physicality, too. I mean, you know, like, like you know, how does this person walk and talk? You know, how do you walk and talk? I mean, because a lot of times characters yeah. are not like us if they come from some other place and some other time or, you know, some other circumstance then that's different than our own. And how would we have been affected by that? You know, if it's somebody who's been, you know, beaten down a lot, they wouldn't be standing in a princely manner. They would be, you know, they, the gravity would have had an effect because it just weighs on you. So uh, what kind of physical, you know, um, effect would that life experience, you know, uh, what toll would it have taken on you? How would it manifest itself physically? Um, so we deal with that um, but, yeah, I mean, so, you know, we just go as deep into it as time allows. And I try to get them as prepared as possible. I take people from wherever they are, and then I try to get them as far as I can get them in a session. And I always leave them with things they can work on afterwards. I'm usually talking to them as they're leaving the door, you know, <laughs> trying to say, okay, great. Yeah, no, don't forget, you know, let's try to do this. And, you know, think about that. You know, maybe maybe that'll bear some fruit. So you can take this further when we... You know, when you go, 
you know. And I would tell people, you know, like regular students I have, I'm like, you know, hey, if you have a problem with something when you're when you're working on it, just call me. I'll spend a few minutes with on the phone with you because maybe I can get you through a little roadblock and you can and you can go through. It takes me ten minutes. It's like fine, just call me, you know, because I want them to be successful. So. Um, you know, that's basically how a session would go, you know. You take them where they are, and you want to take them as far as you can. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Philip, man, so we're just about at the end here. So just uh, talk about how fans can reach out to you and how they can uh, book a Skype session. Well, well, they can watch me on TV tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Um, nice. I'm on Blue Bloods. I have a guest starring role. On Blue Bloods at CBS at 10 o'clock. So um, tune in, check that out. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it either, so we'll be watching it at the same time. Um, my birthday is actually on Saturday, so Friday night, we're going to kind of celebrate my birthday and we're going to watch me on TV, which is kind of cool. Um, cool. And um, yeah, you can reach me online at philiphernandez.net or you can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at philip24601. 24601. 24601 is a Les Mis reference. It's the number that was tattooed on Jean Valjean's chest. He was prisoner number 24601. Um, and uh, you can reach me on Facebook at Philip Hernandez Music. Nice. Nice. Well, Philip, thanks, man. I wish you much success, and uh, we'll definitely be watching you. Yeah, yeah, it was really great, man. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. All right. Have a great night. All right, man. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And let me leave you with this quote from Mark Ruffalo. He said, I became an actor so I didn't have to be myself. Good night.